Hi, this is Emeka and Elandris, and you're listening to the So Far Us podcast, the 30-minute podcast where we break down a trending topic, centering the discussion on the Black millennial woman's experience, and explore what it means for us by answering with, so for us, now let's break down this episode's trending topic. McKinsey and Company recently released a study that found that Hollywood's continual undervaluing of Black-led projects cost it $10 billion a year. Nielsen has found that compared to other women, Black women spend almost 15 more hours a week consuming television programming. We also spend more time each week on apps on our phone or browsing the internet on our phone. When it comes to shopping, Nielsen describes Black women as trendsetters, also noting when it comes to beauty products, we over-index in both dollars per shopper and per household. And yet we are undervalued, underappreciated, and underrepresented in the media and by brands, in some cases having things looked down upon by others until they are appropriated by non-Black people, at which point they are considered trendy. Our hosts will discuss what it means to be cultural trendsetters without receiving reciprocity when it comes to recognition, appreciation, and compensation. This is Amanda. So for me, this especially hits home. Several years ago, I started a blog where Black people can share their thoughts and reviews on films and television shows to share our perspective on how we are being represented on TV and in films. A few years ago, I launched an online store for consumers wanting to shop Black-owned beauty brands. Of course, last year in 2020, we all noticed a significant increase in the media and brands speaking out on matters involving Black people and creating various opportunities for us. Now we'll begin to see if there was only a trend, or will there truly be long-term change and continued improvement? I remember after the writer's strike in 2007 how television made this shift and social media took it to the next level. People like Lovey Ajayi started giving her take on Scandal, which, in my opinion, helped to drive its popularity. Many began to follow. Watching TV with hashtags became the new wave of giving us shows like Game of Thrones, their popularity. You also see the same impact with Popeye's, Nature Cereal, Vines, and even political involvement. However, we have not been able to monetize our contributions. Major companies are profiting off of our talents. Where are our coins? So I guess we should start with just acknowledging the fact that we as Black women are trendsetters. I mean, I think it's something that we know, but then, you know, you have more objective studies like from Nielsen that even, you know, say the same thing um, in note that others also perceive Black women as trendsetters, um, which is interesting just because it doesn't feel that way, (laughs) right? You would think... um, as trendsetters, we would get like the recognition, the credit, mm-hmm. the opportunities that would come along with it. But in so many ways, we don't receive that, right? We consume and engage with television, film, social media, um, and brands statistically at a higher rate 
than non-Black women. But then representation and opportunities just not there. And so, I mean, things are, it just doesn't add up, right? I don't think it does um, add up because it's like you're, you see different creators putting in all this work. You can see the, the level of effort that's been going into the content that they're creating. And then you go and you look at a side-by-side option where this other creator who is not Black, who doesn't have the same effort, who doesn't have the same energy, getting all the applause, getting all the the accolades, getting all of the monetary gains. And it's like a huge slap in the face. So um, I know most of you who are listening, if you remember last uh, month, there was this TikToker by the name of Addison Ray who went on Jimmy Fallon and she's doing all these TikTok dances. And the majority of those dances were created by content creators of color. And here she is on this stage and she's doing the dances and they're so underwhelming. And then so the black creators on TikTok decided to highlight the originators of some of the dances. And you see all of the energy, you see all of the effort. And it's like, how is it that Addison Ray was able to get the opportunity? But these girls who did the dances, that created the dances, are nowhere near their his radar. And right. It's, and it's 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 so it's like if you can relate it to something else, you can say how it is for black women in corporate America. Most of the time we are training people to be our bosses. And it's like here it is on full display, black content creators seeing their work stolen from them and and watching somebody else profit and they're not even doing it right. And you know, this it was like a repeat of what happened with Addison Ray even NBA at the NBA All-Star Weekend with the Renegade Dance, right? Which was very similar, had the backlash where mm-hmm. she and this other very popular white TikTok creator um, did the Renegade Dance, which was created by a young Black TikTok creator. Um, mm-hmm. and But they got to go and do the NBA All-Star Weekend. And then that came out and, again, probably pushed by... Black people on TikTok, and then the young lady got some recognition. I think she got some other opportunities out of that, but it was after the fact, and it took us saying something about it. But to two of your points, one, kind of looking at corporate America, but also how and why um, Ray would be on Fallon's radar and not the creators is... When you look at the list of TikTok creators who are making millions of dollars off of this, off of TikTok or social media, you're mostly going to see young white creators. You're not going to see the young black creators who are kind of making these dances um, that they're really profiting off of. And that's when you look at some of the business side of it, right? Where marketing agencies and brands are paying um, white creators way more than they're paying black creators. Um, 
there was an example. I'm trying to remember which creator was talking about this in her article, in this article. Um, but she said that another white creator who was doing the same choreography or similar level of choreography for a brand, that brand would pay them like $5,000 to create and perform the dance, but they would offer her like one-tenth of that. Um, wow. Sydney McRae. Um, and so this whole article was about how Black perform or creators are underpaid. In some cases, brands don't even offer them money. They just offer them the product. And there were several examples in this article about Black creators not even finding out that some of these brands were paying white creators and paying them well until they would go to like these events where they would see these other creators like rolling up in really nice cars and all these nice things. And, you know, the Black creator in one of the stories, he couldn't even afford a car from what he wow. was getting from this, right? Um, and so that plays into being on the radar because when you look at it from a corporate side and you're looking at the companies and who they're choosing to pay fairly, to use and give opportunities in their content that they're um, promoting their brands, they are choosing to go to the white creators, even if they know it's being created by someone else. And when they do come to us as creators, they don't want to pay us the same amount if they pay us at all. So of course, that's going to put these other creators on the radar. And really, this has been happening for a long time, right? We're seeing in the social media age, but you can go to rock and roll, right? Right. And look at that and and it still goes to black women because even when we talk about rock and roll sometimes people just think about um black men right like a chuck berry right. or whatever but their sister rosetta thorpe who's considered the godmother of rock and roll right so black women have been trendsetters you know in a variety of settings industries over the decades it's really nothing new um absolutely that- Right. And you're right. You're right about that. I'm my bad. Um, I I I I know exactly what you're talking about because I was talking to someone um, about. Do you remember the K Michelle when K Michelle wanted to do Jack Daniels? Um, like she wanted to release her brand, and then around the time she was doing uh, trying to get a Jack Daniels a drink there was this story that came out about how Jack Daniels had a recipe from a black family that never got credited for it. Do you remember hmm. that? I do. I remember hearing that. I don't remember how it panned out. I don't know if they were able to actually give that family who, who are the descendants of the person who came up with the recipe for Jack Daniels any type of monetary value or the recognition that they deserve. But I just remember seeing that, like, if you think about a brand as big as Jack Daniels and how they used a black person's recipe and never gave them the credit for it. And they knew that this was not their recipe, but they decided that they were going to make millions off of it. 
and not tell anybody that, oh, we actually stole it. It's like the epitome of colonization continuing to repeat itself. And that goes into another situation that happened in TikTok. There was this guy who literally verbatim stole everything this black uh, guy had, like mannerisms. Like he literally, it wasn't just that he took the content. He sat there and he studied this black content creator's mannerisms and the way that he actually presented his content and did control C, control V on the content. And he got millions of views. And of course, he uh, by having millions of views, you get more money if you're a content creator, a part of the creator fund. And you're getting paid off of someone you're stealing. And he decided to say, I know I don't have time. I'm not a writer. I'm an actor. I don't have time to create my own content. I just take your content and make it better. So you have those people who know they're stealing your work, who know they're profiting from your work. And don't care about the fact that they're getting paid for being thieves. That's the other side of that. And then you have them that come out and say, oh, well, I didn't know. And I'm sorry. And I have appreciation for the black community. And that's the other side of this coin that I don't like about what's happening to black creators. Because they get to say, I'm sorry. But they don't get to get the money that you profited off of their content for. So... Uh, Addison exactly. Ray hasn't lost. Addison Ray hasn't lost a single dollar, and none right. of that money she gained went to that girl whose dances she stole. And even like when some people, because it was Jimmy Fallon's show, right? That she yes. was on. I, yes. I mix up the Jimmys, to be honest. But <laughs> you know, Jimmy Fallon show after getting all that backlash, then you know, made up for it by bringing some of the black creators on the show but even to me when we're talking about opportunities Mm -hmm. she was flown out and on the stage with him doing the performances and they were on a zoom call yes it's not not the it's not the same (laughs) it's not the same and it's like and and the way that that looked to me was very insulting it was like I'm going to let you do your dances on a Zoom call. I'm not going to fly you out. I'm not going to put you in a hotel. Exactly. I'm not going to give you your stage time. And I'm just like, how it's do you think this same. is staying? Because Addison Ray still has her endorsements. She still is a part of this. Like, I think she has like a music contract or something like that. And now there's TikTok creators who are not black now getting a TV show on Netflix and they're yeah. stealing black content creators material. And I'm like, what? Which is why I really did love the news about, um, I think it was the choreographer for Beyonce. What is his name? Yes. Jaquel Knight copywriting his dance moves. Uh, which is something that I hope that um, some of these young black um, creators on TikTok begin to do. And certainly if choreography is part of the career path that they're trying to go down, um, and yeah, take ownership of it because we know people will take, we're seeing it. <laughs> right? yeah. uh, and we're and you're not getting the conversation because that's certainly a way, another avenue to ensure you get some type of compensation 
you know, if people want to use your creations, um, they're going to have to pay you for that and get your permission for that. Um, so I haven't really looked into that uh, fully, but I think that's really interesting. So hoping the young creators will look into that and see how that would apply to what they're doing and hopefully um, would help them. But um, one of the things that you said a few times was about giving credit, which made me think of um, a definition of cultural appropriation that I saw online that I thought um, was kind of a good definition. Because I, I feel like when you talk about cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation, they're kind of differing views on what is or isn't, when things should or should not be called out. Um, but on the website for Very Well Mind, they um, define it as the use of objects or elements of a non-dominant culture in a way that doesn't respect their original meaning, give credit to their source, or reinforces stereotypes or contributes to oppression. And they go on to say, appropriation involves a lack of understanding of or appreciation for the historical context that influences the act of what is being taken, which they then um, compare to cultural appreciation, which they say is a respectful borrowing of elements from another culture, interest in sharing ideas and diversifying oneself, using as an example, learning martial arts from an instructor with an understanding of the practical cultural perspective, or mm. eating Indian food from an authentic Indian restaurant. Um, but again, like those, was it three or four elements that were kind of at the heart of how they define cultural appropriation. So when you're using something from, and I like the fact that they specify a non-dominant culture, uh, <laughs> but when you're using it and it involves either disrespecting the original meaning, not giving credit to the source, reinforcing stereotypes or contributing to the oppression of that group. Um, I think it was good that they kind of divided out in those four because I think some people there's some shaky ground on is it appropriation just because I didn't give credit or recognition to the original meaning or where it's from um, and I think that um is where a lot of appropriation falls, right? People think it's not appropriation because they're not doing it in a way that's negative or stereotyping the group, um, but it's not acknowledging the group it's from. And definitely uh, the part about not appreciating the historical context, which especially for Black women, I think kind of is really plays a large role when we call it cultural appropriation because the historical context is when we were doing it, it wasn't trendy, it wasn't okay, um, it was unprofessional, it was ghetto. But now when you're doing it and Hello. you get to do it separate from the recognition that this was part of Black women's aesthetic, Come and on, you're somebody. a trend, you're fashionable, it's a whole new name for it. It's boxer braids. 
Um, and so that's Child. why I really uh, appreciated <laughs> the, the their definition. Because yes, it is nightcap. <laughs> Girl with the body. It is a lack of the historical context of how it was perceived when we were doing it, when we created it, when it was our aesthetic. Right. Um, and you even know if what? you're not doing it to demean us. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, my bad. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I, I like. I feel exactly what you're saying. Like you are spitting straight facts because <laughs> that goes into something that somebody else said. Like as a community, what do we think about gatekeeping when it comes to our culture? Mm-hmm. Like people not only take from us and then try to say, "Oh, I wasn't doing it in a disrespectful way." but they don't even care about the historical reference of where it comes from. Like right now there's, they're taking dear mama of Tupac right now (laughs) and saying that he was talking about all women, not just black women. And I'm like, y'all don't even know who Tupac was. How is it that you are, how do you, how do you take Tupac and gentrify Tupac? I don't understand. It's it's so ridiculous, and it's like the whole argument about the braids, about black women wearing micro braids, and why can't non-black women use it? Well, one, you'll rip your hair out. Two, it's, <laughs> it's not meant for you, and you don't know where it comes from. And then, like, there's this ridiculous argument. Oh well, Vikings had braids, so girl, mm-hmm. do you think the micros? Do you think the Vikings were out here having micro braids? Do you think the Mike, the Vikings were out here with dookie braids? I don't think so. That is not the braids. They had beautiful braids, but why don't you wear those? Right. Why is that okay? Ignoring why is that okay the that? styling is completely different, and they know it. <laughs> like, you can tell. Right. You know there's a difference. Like, what is your obsession? Like, there, is a th- there was a situation today where a girl was like, well, I want to wear... Uh, white is beautiful, I'm a strong white queen, and white pride, and this, and that, and the other, and she was wearing, she was wearing uh, box braids, and I'm like, how, how, how are you trying to sit up here and talk about white pride wearing box braids? That's, that's, that's not your culture, girl. I, I just, don't understand it like do you want to have your culture because white culture does exist you have Appalachian groups you have Cajun groups you have uh, Scottish groups you have the power and the the access to your ethnicity you have the access to your history something that black people don't have and the fact that you mistake it for you mistake black pride and black affirmation as an anti-whiteness thing is ridiculous so you end up appropriating black culture and saying that you want white pride, but you want to be able to steal black people's culture too? I don't understand. So when we say don't wear our things, don't use our our language like African-American vernacular English, A-A-V-E, we tell you don't try to talk like us because we were literally refused jobs and opportunities for speaking the way that we speak. We were refused the same opportunities for wearing our hair a certain way. And things like long, colorful nails was considered ghetto, but not everybody named mama want them. It's like, how is it 
that now you get to dress up and try to be an aesthetic or a caricature of black women, specifically black women, and think that that is okay, but don't want to be called out for it. Don't want to give black women their things, especially their coins for it. Like, and then you don't want to be called out because you feel like you have some type of entitlement to who we are. And also because sometimes when it's done, like when you think of like acrylic nails and how in some ways it's become fashionable and styling and for some people more than others. And wasn't that the case um, when we were doing it and no one else was really doing it, um, that it's it's separate from, right? So sometimes Mm -hmm. when you think about it, it's not even... It's like it's a brand new thing, and right. it's it's so it it is taking like black culture without appreciation of the actual black people and not actual value of black people and recognition of what we have endured. You know the fact that we're still celebrating state passing the crown act i think another state just passed it i mean we can't even wear our hair the way i feel like this comes up almost in every episode but it still kills me that we can't just we have to make a whole law in 2021 to say let black people wear their hair the way it grows out their scalp okay um let us do that let us be who we want to be let us let us embrace we still can't do that but they can take our stylings and things like that separated from blackness call it fashionable and trendy in that case because in some ways even when it becomes fashionable and trendy for them it's still looked down upon when we do it right. even though we've been doing it right and so that is also a problem in itself too Right. And somebody, there's this wonderful uh, creator. She's a black woman in corporate America. And she talks about the different things that black women and black men cannot do in corporate America that other groups can and can uh, that other groups can do. So she said, you know, there are certain professional outfits that we cannot wear because we have accentuated features. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's deemed overly sexualized or too relaxed. And she was saying, like, if you are black, you have to take your their laziness is considered to be your has to be your it, it cannot be in your vocabulary. It cannot be in your aesthetic. So if you if it's casual day for them, you have to wear jeans and you have to wear like a polo. You cannot wear if they're wearing uh, slacks and a button up, you have to wear slacks, a tie and a button up. You have to one up it every time. And it's it's not fair, but that's just the way it is. And it's sad because now with black women and their features, like we were born with these features. We have these features. It's something that comes with us naturally. And some people, there's a whole family out here wearing our features because they surgically put it on there. And it's now all of a sudden popular. But the fact that we don't have to have surgery and this is how we look on a regular basis it's still considered to be inappropriate. It's still considered to be unprofessional for us to just be ourselves the way that we were created. And it just, oh girl, we need to start gatekeeping everything. Just gatekeep it. Close gate. gate. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but also remember that at the end of the day, 
the rate at which we consume things um it's a higher rate black women in particular consume things like i said earlier media of all forms tv film social media all of that consumption buying products uh, spending money more than non-black women um and so i think there is power to that and we have to just kind of find how do we use that power to um create space and opportunities for creators that look like us and for we as Black women who are trendsetters to be treated as such and given that respect. So though we are yet to be recognized and appreciated as the trendsetters we are by those who currently control industries like marketing and media, we can use our voices, our likes, follows, streams, and dollars to force them to acknowledge value and appropriately compensate the uniquely beautiful aesthetic that Black women bring to every table. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the So For Us podcast. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social media sites using the at So For Us podcast handle. Like, comment, leave a review, send us a trending topic you'd like us to discuss, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We'll talk to you soon in the best place that is so for us.